That was awesome. And you know what? We have uh, three more of those to look forward to. Man, props to our worship team, our media team. Uh, they found a pretty cool barn out in Virginia somewhere. And, and uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to uh, look at four different hymns, sing them together as we celebrate uh, Christmas. Uh, that was smoking. Literally. Well, welcome to uh, everybody at all six of our locations. Thrilled that uh, you're part of NCC this weekend. Before we dive in, can I just uh, encourage you to extend an invitation to a friend? I think this is a season where people are more likely than ever, more open than ever um, to come to church. And, and so if you have a friend who doesn't have a church, I want to encourage you to uh, invite them to come with you and be a part of what God is doing here at National Community Church. Uh, just for the record, uh, next weekend, our pastor of discipleship, Heather Zempel, will be speaking. Then uh, December 15, 16, I'll, I'll be back and uh, have a little gift for you, a little Christmas gift, and so plan on being here that weekend. And then all of our campus pastors will be uh, teaching live uh, the weekend before Christmas. All right, if you have a Bible, you can turn over to Matthew chapter 1 and if you want to go ahead and turn me down a little bit, that would be great. I'm hearing a little bit of echo. Um, Matthew chapter 1, and uh, we'll get there in just a moment. I love Christmas for lots of different reasons. I mean, it kind of, it starts for us when I go up in our attic, because that's where all of our stuff is. And uh, I pull out the ladder, pull out the uh, Christmas tree. I have flashbacks to uh, Clark Griswold getting stuck in his attic. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, we put up the tree. I love the glow of the Christmas tree early in the morning and late at night. Uh, I love peppermint mochas, eggnog lattes, uh, love listening to Christmas music, love all of the trappings and traditions, but Let's not forget the reason for this season. We are celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and what that means. And I love the title of this series. Uh, it's pulled from one of the songs that we'll sing together, Thrill of Hope. And, and I think that word hope captures it. Now, the truth is you could probably say joy or love or peace captures it too. But this idea of hope is so central to what Christmas is all about. I think uh, what we're going to do is what Acts 2.26 says we should do. We're going to pitch our tent in the land of hope. I love that little verse. Now, that's the message translation. How many of you know you can pitch your tent in lots of different places? You can pitch it in the land of fear. You can pitch it in the land of guilt, the land of anxiety. You can pitch it in the land of negativity if you can find a place pretty full over there. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can pitch your tent in the land of bitterness, um, or you can pitch your tent in the land of hope. And, and I think over the next four weeks, we're going to pitch our tent in the land of hope and believe that God is going to meet us in a special way. I always pray that during the Christmas season, that God would give me a, a fresh revelation, a new revelation of who he is, and I believe he's going to do that for each one of us. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, 
she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. This week, I was waiting in line to make a deposit at our bank, and uh, the lady in front of me was taken for Ever. In fact, she turned around at one point and apologized to me. Um, and when she left, one of the tellers said, hey, do you know who that was? And I said, no, that's the former Secretary of Labor. And I looked it up on Wikipedia, and Wikipedia is always right. So uh, sure enough, that was her. Um, and uh, and I, I don't know, like I, it was just like, okay, wow. Just bumped into an important person. There's something about that, whether it's an athlete or a politician or someone that, you know, has a, a TV personality. There's something about kind of bumping into someone like that that's kind of cool, isn't it? Now, now, I am not an autograph seeker or a photo bomber. Like, I'm just not that kind of person, um, unless, he, unless it's Adrian Peterson. What in the world? Um, had to pull that back out. Um, I'll tell you, my first brush with someone kind of famous was, uh, I was 17 years old, uh, Cog Hill Golf Course in Chicago. I was in the bathroom, and in walks Doug Collins, who was the coach at that time, and he parks at the urinal right next to me. We did not shake hands. But it was kind of cool, because, you know, a huge Bulls fan, I was like, oh my goodness, I just peed next to Doug Collins. Can I say that? Like, I mean, it was really a highlight of my life at that point. Um, now, uh, over the years, you know, bumped into different people here and there. I remember when I was in seminary uh, in the Chicago area, uh, bumped into Steve Kerr, uh, who was the shooting guard uh, on the Bulls um, during their, some of their championship runs. And the funny thing was, is he was wearing a Bulls sweatshirt. What was so funny about that was the fact that like Jordan and Pippen and everybody would be like incognito or no one would really need to, they wouldn't need to wear a Bulls. But Steve Kerr, you wouldn't even believe it. He was like the less than tall white guy on the team that was like, no, there's no way you play professional basketball. And so here he is with his sweatshirt, but um, we're pushing our grocery cart. I'm like, that's Steve Kerr. It was like, you know, it was cool. Um when we held services at Union Station, bumped into people all the time. Um, I remember one Sunday, Sir Anthony Hopkins was shooting a film while we were having service uh, downstairs in the movie theaters. Uh, one time, Chris Collinsworth, the, uh, who partners with Al Michaels, Sunday Night Football, is walking through, and so we take a picture together. Um, John Riggins, the, the former Redskin. Um, I- I'm starting to sound like a stalker, aren't I? Uh, but I promise you I'm not, but Pastor Joel might be. Because we were in Ethiopia, 
And into our hotel walks um, actress Natalie Portman. Like, I mean, it was just weird kind of bumping into someone like that, you know, halfway around the world. What I love is that Pastor Joel went up to her and said hi. In fact, he, I'll tell you exactly what he said. My nephew loved you as Queen Amidala. It was a lame moment. I'm just saying. Um, I could tell you about a number of other folks that I've bumped into, but there's something about being in the presence of someone that even has a little bit of fame or a little bit of power or a little bit of um, recognizability. I don't know. There's something that's kind of cool because they almost seem like they're more than human, superhuman in, in a sense, right? And, and, uh, but, but here's the deal. You kind of take all of those instances where you bump into someone or you're in the presence of, you know, human greatness, so to speak. And, uh, and then you juxtapose that with being in the presence of Almighty God. And shouldn't we just get a little bit excited? Like when, when we get into the presence of God, shouldn't there be like a, wow, like I just bumped into the presence of God. Like, uh, and that's what Christmas celebrates. It's the fact that the, the God of the universe, the creator, the sovereign one, became one of us. He moved into the neighborhood. It's the incarnation. And I think what I love about Jesus so much is that when you read the Gospels, um, he is the epitome of holiness, but wasn't holier than now. In fact, was so down to earth that you couldn't keep people away. Not prostitutes, not lepers, not little children. Pharisees, yes. But everybody else had this magnet. He was so touchable, so reachable. And uh, it's at Christmas at Bethlehem that God most high became God most nigh. Now, I want to talk about this for a few moments. Uh, Isaiah 55.8 is kind of my theological ground zero. It says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, declares the Lord. Uh, the, the prophet describes the difference between our thoughts and his thoughts as um, the distance of the universe. Now, let me try to put this into perspective. I, I haven't done this in a long time, so let, let me give it a shot. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Now, that is so fast. Everybody snap your fingers. And the time it took to do that, uh, light circumnavigated the, the globe half a dozen times. Now, our sun is 93 million miles away. So let's just say you could drive there 65 miles an hour, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Anybody, anybody want to guess how long it would take you to get there? It would take 163 years. That's a long ways. The incredible thing is that our sunlight is only eight minutes old because it's traveling so fast. Now, here's the thing. That's our closest star in our tiny little galaxy called the Milky Way. Astrophysicists have discovered galaxies that are 15.5 billion light years away. Now, that distance is virtually incomprehensible. I'm not even going to try like, to put that in mathematical terms because it's impossible to do it. But it's this distance that's, that's unimaginable. And God says that's about the distance between your thoughts and my thoughts. 
So here's my thought. Your best thought on your best day is 15.5 billion light years short of how great and how good God really is. The prophet Jeremiah says, no one can fathom his greatness. Ephesians 3 says, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. He is God most high, but he is also God most nigh. Let me go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we'll find our way um, back to Bethlehem in a bit. In Genesis 1, it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the chaos. Now, the Hebrew word here is one of my favorites, panim, and it's a two-dimensional word. In regard to, to time, panim refers to The split second right before and the split second right after something happens. It's almost like this idea that it forms a parenthesis in time around every single moment. It's a fascinating concept. Uh, Thomas Merton captures it this way. The Lord travels in all directions at once. The Lord arrives in all directions at once. Wherever we are, we find that he just departed, and wherever we go, we find that he just arrived before us. Like, it's this idea that that he is the alpha and the omega. Now, God exists outside of our space-time dimensions, and that's kind of this idea of hovering. God hovers. But, But there's a second dimension, not just time, but in regards to space, This word refers to the place right in front and right in back. I love that. It's like a parenthesis in space. What I'm trying to say is God's got you surrounded. Um, He is all around us all the time. And and I think David then paints a picture of this uh, in Psalm 139. He says in verse 5, you hem me in behind and before. This idea of hemming in is such a a beautiful concept. It says, you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Then it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. A.W. Tozer said, God is above, but he's not pushed up. He's beneath, but he's not pressed down. He's outside, but he's not excluded. He's inside, but he's not confined. God is above all things presiding, beneath all things sustaining, outside all things embracing, and inside all things filling. He said that is the imminence of God. God with us. God most nigh. John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. In other words, God put skin on. Hebrews 4.15 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. 
That's amazing, isn't it? So relatable, so touchable, so accessible, and we take it for granted, but for thousands of years, it did not work this way. For thousands of years, there was only one person, the high priest, who could gain access to the, the inner presence of God, the Holy of Holies, and only he, he could only do it once a year. But we have immediate access anytime, any place. And the high priest invites us into his throne room, approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I think here's what I want you to hear this weekend. We're singing this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But really, it's about this, O Come, O Come, Mark. God's singing that to me. He's singing that to you. The invitation is there. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone come in, I will sup with him and he with me. It's this idea that that at Bethlehem, God became one of us and then invited us to the table, invited us into relationship. He is God with us. He is God for us. I like this idea of God with us and God for us. One of my favorite Christmas stories, a little boy named Benjamin who wanted a baby sister for Christmas. So he decided to write God a letter. He sat down and wrote, Dear God, I've been a very good boy. Stop writing because he knew it wasn't true and God wouldn't believe it. And so he started over, Dear God, I've been a pretty good boy. Stopped again, didn't feel like it was very convincing, crumpled it up, threw it away. Well, then Benjamin uh, came up with a little plan. He went into the bedroom, uh, into the bathroom, grabbed a towel, and walked over to the family nativity scene. And uh, underneath the Christmas tree, he grabbed the figurine of Mary, wrapped her in a towel, hid her under his bed. Then he sat down and rewrote his letter. Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> Did I cross the line right there? Some of you don't, didn't feel like you should laugh at that. Um, what's funny is if we do what Benjamin did, we employ the same tactics in our attempts to get what we want from God. We use bribery and blackmail, don't we? We say, uh, dear God, if you do this, I'll do that. That's bribery. And then blackmail. God, if you don't do this, I won't do that. Listen, that's never going to work. And you don't even need to do it. Why? Because God is for you. And if we would ever understand the heart of our Heavenly Father, then we would understand that no good thing will God withhold from those who walk up rightly before Him. Matthew seven eleven says it this way. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? God with us, God for us. And finally, He is God in us. In John 16, 7, Jesus says something that is kind of confusing. He says, I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Well, I thought Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
I thought Jesus said, I'm with you always, even at the end of the age. So why would he say it's good for me to go away? Well, it's simple because God became man. When he moved into the neighborhood and took on flesh, he could only be in one place at one time. He took upon himself human limitation. So why does he say he has to go away? Well, it's part of God's master plan. This is the changing of the garden. It happens at Pentecost. When when Jesus ascends and those early believers gather in the upper room in Jerusalem, and then they get a serious visitation from the Holy Spirit. In that moment, um, the Spirit of God moves in and takes up residence uh, within us as the followers of Christ. Now, this is a crazy thing to understand. I remember trying to explain it uh, to the kids when they were smaller. Um, one night I was singing uh, a chorus um, to Parker um, that just said, like, Spirit, move in your temple. And it's kind of this um, almost an invitation of the Holy Spirit to come and, and fill us. And I don't know. I just asked Parker. I said, if it, I asked him if he knew what the temple was. And he said, the church. I said, no. Actually, uh, the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6. Um, when we put our faith in Jesus, his Holy Spirit moves in and lives inside of us. And I'll never forget what Parker said. Parker said, cool, so my skin is like fake marble. <laughs> That's a deep thought. I think he was like six or seven years old at the time. Hey, turn to someone next to you and slap them some fake marble. Is that too far? I don't know. All right. All right. Um, I think that's awesome. Uh, We are walking temples. God with us, God for us, but then God in us. In him, we live and move and have our being. You know, I think we take a lot for granted um, just with some of the Personal challenges uh, I've been through uh, medically, physically over the years, um, probably in light of the fact that I have asthma. Um, I'm more keenly appreciative of every breath I take. Um, but just stop and, stop and think about this for a moment. Um, you know, I mean, when was the last time you considered the journey of an oxygen atom, right? Uh, but It begins when air passes through your nose or mouth and unwanted dust and debris is filtered out. Um, Average person moves about 440 cubic feet of air per day. Some of you hot air. I'm just making sure you're with me. I'm keeping you on your toes this weekend. Um, Travels through the trachea into the lungs. Do you know the surface area of your lungs is 40 times greater than the surface area of your body? Compressed within the tiny space between your ribs. Well, atom, atom, uh, oxygen atoms uh, hitchhike on hemoglobin and travel throughout the entire body via blood vessels. If those blood vessels were laid end to end, they would be approximately 100,000 miles long. Okay, that's long enough to circle the equator four times in your body, blood vessels. At the end of that journey... Oxygen enters individual cells, bonds with the food we eat, and releases energy. Biologists call it cellular respiration. I call it a miracle. You know what? 
happens 23,000 times a day, approximately. 23,000 breaths a day. I think we owe God 23,000 thank yous. We experience 23,000 miracles. Acts 17 says, God gives all men life and breath. Job 34 says, if God were to withdraw his breath, we would return to dust. God with us, God for us, God in us. Let me close with this. Uh, Because as we step into this Christmas season, I I think it's a time for us to, in a sense, uh, count our blessings. Uh, In the busyness of shopping or parties or or travel, everything else that happens, um, we need to make sure that we remember what this thing is all about and that our hearts are filled with gratitude uh, for Emmanuel, for God with us. This week, I drove down to uh, Regent University to defend a dissertation. Uh, I have been ABD, all but dissertation, for more than a decade. I never thought I would finish it. Um, Honestly, family started growing, church started growing, and it just wasn't a priority. And then I started writing books, and they pay you to write books. And so the dissertation became kind of this thing that was, man, I never thought I would do it. But one thing led to another, and uh, um, on Wednesday of this week, I passed, and uh, I'm done. When I drove onto the campus, um, there were some interesting memories, because I would go down there for a week at a time, and this was 10 years ago. Um, But it's one of those places that triggers uh, a memory for me. In 1998, I was sitting in one of those um, doctoral classes, and I got called out by an administrator who came and found me and said that my wife needed to talk to me. And I was concerned um, because that was very strange. And she informed me that she had just gotten a call that her dad had passed away. It was absolute shock. Um, We drove from Virginia Beach back to D.C., got on an airplane, and the next thing you know, we're meeting our family at a funeral home. And it it was just a, a blur. It still is. I still don't get it. Prime of life, prime of ministry. Uh, I had just been to the doctor Tuesdays before, and the doctor said you could drive a, a Mack truck through your arteries, and then he dies of a heart attack. When I drove onto the campus, profound sense of sadness. You know, you shut it out, you kind of go on with life, but... Man, miss him. Miss his presence. You know what? I I mean, a lot of us have lost loved ones. um, And there's probably a wide variety of why we might miss them. I, I, you know, my father-in-law was just, he was fun to be around. Um, Just, uh, it was always kind of a party when he was around and and, uh, so loving and giving. 
In fact, I remember Christmas, the, the, the deal was that uh, almost always there would be like um, tickets to the Chicago Bulls on Christmas Day underneath our Christmas plates. And so it wasn't really a surprise, but we acted surprised. And uh, it was just kind of a fun little tradition. And uh, what I miss most is just his presence. That's it. And I think now about my family and the ones that I love the most. I love um, just being with my family. Uh, I love uh, driving the kids all over the place. Now, Summer's uh, swimming, and she's got practices at 6 a.m. on the absolute other side of the city. And so we have some early mornings together. And you know what? We don't talk a lot because she sleeps. (laughs) But even in those moments, it's hard to explain, but I enjoy her presence because I love her. And it's the same way for all of my children. I think one of the greatest gifts we can give another person is our presence. And, and what I mean by that is not just being there absent-mindedly or, you know, just kind of barely listening or not really engaged. I'm talking about being fully present, fully engaged, fully interested, fully available. The gift of your presence to another person is something that's precious. It's a gift that my parents gave to me. If I had to describe my dad in a phrase, Man, he was there for me. It was his presence that, that I appreciate. That's the gift that we celebrate. I mean, it doesn't really matter what's under the tree, right? What's in the stocking, what we really celebrate is the fact that our Heavenly Father great, gave us the greatest gift imaginable, his own son, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, that's God's way of saying, I don't want to just be with you. I want to be with you forever. I can't imagine eternity without you. Let's pray. Father, help us this weekend to personalize and to internalize Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, as we sing the words, O come, O come, Emmanuel, I pray that we would hear you singing over us, singing words to us, O come, O come, Mark. You invite us to come into your presence, and we thank you for that precious gift. Lord, I pray that no one would walk out this weekend without receiving the gift that you have freely offered. It can't just be about what happened 2,000 years ago. We have to personally and decisively come to a point in our life where we decide to follow you, where we decide to receive you, where we decide to put our faith 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that many right now in this moment would experience God with them for the very first time. We invite you to come to fill our hearts with your love, to fill our temples with your spirit. O come, O come, Emmanuel. In Jesus' name, amen.